Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to our latest Outsports podcast. Uh, this is Sid in soon to be rainy LA. Jim, are you on the phone? Huh, well, Jim is not on the phone. I don't know what, uh, where he is, but it's going to be pouring rain here in Los Angeles uh, very soon. And with something we're not used to, used to that beautiful sun, the. Uh, there was an MLS Cup game final that I was at last Sunday, and there was a, a uh, it was kind of sandwiched in between some rainstorms, and of course it was instead a beautiful sunny day in Carson, California. Got to see Robbie Rogers win his second MLS Cup. And uh, the first one with the LA Galaxy, and the first one after coming out publicly. Jim, of course, spent Sunday watching the NFL. I doubt. Did, Jim, did you even tune into the MLS Cup final on Sunday? Uh, during breaks of the uh, Bronco Bill game. And by the way, I actually introduced the segment. I was on first. What? When the music stopped, I started talking, and then you started talking 10 seconds later, and then you oh, wanted to I know could... where I was, and I was on the whole time, but I guess you hadn't muted me. Well, No, I no, I, I did unmute you, but I wonder if your phone was on mute, because, um, yeah, I couldn't hear no, anything. No, I, 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 I was looking at the dashboard and seeing myself. Anyway, we're both on at the same time. We both talked about rain. That's kind of funny. I said, oh, we're expecting <laughs> a big rainstorm in Los Angeles. It's a big... So, who knows what this is gonna sound like when they come when it uh, when the end product is done? But yeah, yeah exactly. Well, sorry to interrupt, but yes, I was. <laughs> it was a little confusing because I set the pro, I set this podcast up, and then wasn't sure if you were going to be starting it or me. So anyway, we're both on. So yay, blog yeah, talk radio. I was I was sitting here listening to the music go down, and I'm like, I guess he's not gonna intro it. So I guess I better I better jump in here. Did you, uh, did you download? Did were you the one that slowed the music down? I did a little bit, yeah. Okay, that was you. Okay, whatever. We're on, and yes, I, whatever. Uh, you Welcome to... to Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> today we're talking Robbie talk. Rogers, and we're also going to talk Michael Sam's historic kiss, and what its role is as an iconic image of the year, and whether or not uh, you should root for teams based on their gay friendliness or not. So we have a three good things to chew on. So I interrupted and you with Robbie. You, you went you, to the game. Did you see the latest what? news, though, Jim? Did you see the news? No, that what's just the came latest? Out? What? Michael Sam's Oprah Winfrey documentary is back on December 27th, so we'll, we got to talk what about that. What a surprise. <laughs> yeah, not a spread. No, I mean back on, back on TV? It's going to be on TV December 27th. Oh, interesting. What's that about? I mean, I thought they had stopped filming it. Well... <laughs> 
They obviously didn't. <laughs> wow, interesting. Okay. Yeah, two days listen, after Christmas. They just trying to bury so. it. I I don't know. It's a ninety-minute documentary. I mean, it's it's not a big surprise to us, you know. I it's yeah. that 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 they might that they might have been filming behind the scenes, and I don't think they they they're not they're not going to have much stuff on the field because no, I don't think the Rams uh, really wanted cameras around, but they uh, they kept shooting, and so we're going to get to see what Michael's life was behind the scenes of the kiss that you mentioned and all kinds of stuff. Huh? Yeah, it just seems like it all, if you're trying to get maximum ratings. Putting it on the uh, Christmas weekend, I don't think would really kind of draw a lot of people, but we'll see. Is that on what network's on it anyway? Is that on Oprah's network? Yeah, it's on OWN, and she's going to have never a, watched, a, a, so I, right, well, which I've never watched. Except the Dion Sanders, I think, has a show on there, and then she's going to have a sit-down interview with Michael and, and an exclusive. And it's on a Saturday okay. night too. It is a funny time. You're right. That's what I'm saying. Saturday night of a Christmas week when it's just you know you're not going to have a lot of attention on it. Maybe that was the point. Maybe that was the idea. Let's get it up. People aren't going to be talking about it in the media because no, from basically the 23rd on through New Year's, it's not you know people are doing other things. So maybe it was part of the deal to get it up before the year ended. And I'll be interested to see what the, what the product is after whenever they. They announced they were stopping the production, which was in May, was it? After the whole little furor broke out, and to see what they have, you know, from that point on. Obviously, there's nothing would have stopped them from filming away from the Ram facility, and you know, when he's in his free time, he's allowed to do whatever he wants to. I mean, short of anything legal that he wants to, and so I'm, I mean, curious to see what they actually have, you know. Well, what I love is everybody talked about, oh, the distraction of not being able to focus on football and TV cameras here and there, and oh, this is such a this is such a travesty. Um, he still went on in the preseason and performed well, and clearly they hadn't stopped shooting. So all of that nonsense about what a terrible distraction this was, how it was going to hurt his career, was all a bunch of bull. Well, it was the same with Chris Cluey that he was allegedly a distraction for focusing on gay marriages. If you're supposed to, you know, be basically doing thinking nothing about punting for 365 days a year. So they always they always come up with reasons. Um, well, we started with Robbie, though. You uh, you were at the MLS Cup, and uh, what was the atmosphere like? Was Robbie a presence in the sense were people buzzing about it, or was he just simply, in a good way, just one of the one of the guys trying to win a championship? It was a, well, kind of a couple ways to look at that. First, the energy... At that game was higher than any I've ever experienced for any professional sporting event. The, the the fans were on their feet. Half of them were on their feet the entire match, singing, chanting, throwing things onto the field. I mean, it, it really it felt like a college football game, even more intense than the college than some college football games. It was it was incredible, and certainly more than an NFL game. So the the, the atmosphere was like it was a Big party, and it, that was really neat to be a part of. And as far as Robbie, I mean, just how they, you know, the energy around him uh, in the stands and what have you, it was a lot like Michael. You know, the, the Galaxy fans, they were there to watch the Galaxy win, not watch Robbie Rogers. And when I was at the Rams game with Michael Sam, the Rams fans were there to watch the Rams, not Michael Sam. So there was 
you know, there wasn't even really an acknowledgement of Robbie. I mean, they certainly, he was introduced at one point and they cheered and let's let me do all the other players, but he was just another player trying to win them their fifth MLS Cup. And I mean, to us, you know, we're not giant Galaxy fans. To us, he was the big story, but to Galaxy fans, they just, he was a non-story. And afterwards, was there a media scrum around him or was it all around Landon Donovan and Robbie Keane? Yeah, it's, it, it's funny. Well, first of all, Robbie played quite well. He was mm-hmm. he almost scored aggressive. a goal. He, I mean, within we had the first two minutes, I, he dribbled behind the, the defenders, and I thought, oh my God, this is going to be the story of the game. And he just it got blocked and it dribbled so close to the goal line. I mean, it, it came within. I don't know if it was a foot or two feet or inches, but it was so close before it got cleared. And then he was just he was aggressive. He was breaking on the ball. He was moving constantly. He was he looked really good out there. Um, so I, you know he contributed well after the game. So you know after the game, the press just kind of isn't allowed to interact with the the players on the field. You have to go down to the locker room, and then even then you have to kind of wait. And we're standing outside the locker room, and they're screaming and cheering and singing for like a half hour inside. And then they let you finally let you in the locker room, and it's an absolute disaster area. There, the floor is covered in an inch of champagne and beer. The players are soaking wet. I mean, there's, there's it's it's just a mess. And one by one, they started. They brought a couple players over. Uh, Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane did their own press conference. So. Yeah, if you wanted to talk to them, you had to go elsewhere. And they brought players over that, that people wanted. And then finally the guy's like, is there anybody else anybody wants? And I said, um, Robbie Rogers. <laughs> like nobody else really seemed to want to talk to him. So they finally brought him over and we asked him some questions. And he was super nice and and I in really good spirits, obviously. So, um, But, yeah, he was not in high demand by the press at all. You know, Billy Witz of the New York Times, who who you know and was there, was complaining how bad the MLS media setup is. That you know, you, you want you want these people to be recognizable. I mean, you look at the Super Bowl. There's media all over the field after the game, grabbing this player and that player and interviewing them, and it it really adds to sort of the immediacy of it. How cool it would have been to get Robbie on the field with surrounding by fans, as opposed to having to wait. Um, but also I know that Billy said the New York Times deliberately decided not to focus on Robbie because they kind of felt the story had been done and, you know, he wasn't the focus. The focus was Landon Donovan and his final game and, you know, Robbie Keane. And I thought uh, probably collectively the media said, okay, we've done Robbie, which is actually a good thing, meaning that just because he's gay shouldn't mean that he's absolutely the focus of that kind of story. So. I think it's kind of what Robbie wanted too. He was he was one of the guys. He wasn't somebody special. Obviously, if he had scored the winning goal, it would have been a different you know matter in terms of his demand. But you know he was treated in a sense like you know the other the other players, which is what the goal of all these guys they want to be. They don't want to be singled out. They want to be just one of the other players. Yeah. Well, and and uh, you know, um, yeah, nobody really asked Robbie about you know the being gay or any of that stuff, he kind of brought it up on his own. It was obviously on his mind. It was clearly on his mind. He, he said he got emotional on the field, uh, just thinking about how far he's come. Because the last time he won the MLS Cup was 2008. He was very, very closeted. He was with the Columbus crew, and it was on that same field that he won it. And he talked about 
six years later being a different man and being feeling like a complete person and and he's just you know it was it meant so much to him it was almost <laughs> it was really if you wrote the script you would write Robbie's story. I mean, you know, the opening scene, leaving the field of the first championship and kind of going off by himself and not celebrating and being depressed. And then six years later, returning triumphant and openly gay. And it was, it meant a lot to him, even if, you know, a lot of people in the press kind of weren't interested in writing about it. Well, and, and, you know, he's clearly someone who's making an impact and a difference. And, we have one story next week that we we're touting where Robbie is responsible for basically giving a, a, you know a gay soccer player in 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 rural part of the country you know the courage to come out of the closet. He cites Robbie specifically, and you're working on something that hopefully will be up where you know another person is is the same thing. Robbie's book was an inspiration, so you kind of wonder how many countless people people like Robbie and Michael Sam have sort of helped, even if, you know, pro athletes aren't coming out, but other people, athletes are not in other, you know, other areas of society are kind of feeling, hey, this is, this motivates me to, to do th- what these guys did. Yeah, you know, it's, I think, I think I, I certainly did, and I think Outsports in general did. I mean, we covered Robbie when he came out, we covered him when we first started with the Galaxy, and then he just kind of I mean, I did a story about a year ago on him, but he's kind of just faded from our focus. I think part because he wasn't—he was injured. He wasn't playing great. The Galaxy ended on a sour note last season. <clears throat> this season, he was injured and just kind of—he just wasn't on our radar screen. He just—we just stopped covering him. And and I think that you know the last month or so with the book and talking to people he's impacted, it's been a reminder to me of how important he has been to so many people. I mm-hmm. mean, so many people. I forgot that Mitch Eby, the college football player who came out on Outsports about nine months ago, that was because of Robbie. And and his impact has been obvious. It's, it has been very powerful, and I think it's something that we have underreported in the last year. I certainly have. Well, except I don't know what there was a report if you didn't know, meaning unless you hear from people specifically saying they come out because of Robbie – you really just can't keep writing the same story over and over. And and maybe that was part of the whole issue is that he faded in a good way because there wasn't anything new to say about him. You know, meaning how can, yeah. how can you sort of quantify his impact if you say, okay, Mitch Eby and then anybody else? I mean, that's the whole point is that you guys have probably heard from hundreds of people, but we really don't know how many specifically they've impacted. Only they would know, but... Uh, you know, in a sense, I think, I don't know that Robbie deserved any more coverage when there was nothing really going on major with him that you could say about him. True, there were, but there were things that I missed. I missed him being moved to a different position. I missed over the summer him, um, him getting a starting position back. I, I missed that. Last I had checked in with him, he was playing with, I believe, the Galaxy, Galaxy 2 and I just missed about two or three months that were very important in his growth as a soccer player this year. I just missed it. And it's something that with Michael Sam or Derek Gordon or Jason Collins, we, <laughs> I would have been on. Well, but it's also, the, it's, sorry, it's also the MLS. It's not the NBA or the NHL. or you know, I think that's a, that's a difference <clears throat> is that people just – it's not on people's radar screens in that same way. I mean, 
you know, so he's influenced a lot of people, which is great. But on the other hand, it's not like people are lusting over someone moving from fullback to, you know, to goalie or, you know, they don't do that. But, you know, moving a position in soccer like you would if, you know, the Patriots move somebody from the cornerback to the safety where, oh, my God, that's a big move for player X. So, but I do think, you know, that Robbie is, and his book is out now, and it's, you know, it's people are talking about it. And so I do think he should, he knows or he should know that he's made a real difference in people's, uh, in people's lives as has uh, Michael Sam, and that's a good segue into our next thing. Um, ESPN.com is doing a piece tomorrow on uh, the memorable Im- sports images of 2014, and I got called by their writer, and I said it's the Michael Sam kiss. Hands down, no competition. You know, easily, the, the, to me, the sports image of the year because we've never seen it before. We've seen other celebrations or dejections, and... Would you agree with that, or is there a sports image that uh, you think would trump Michael kissing his boyfriend on national TV? No, not a, not a sports image. I, I I certainly can't think of anything. And and frankly, I I think that you know I wrote a piece about how Sports Illustrated should name the gay athlete mm-hmm. the, at their Sportsman of the Year. I I think that. This year was about Michael Sam and Jason Collins and Robbie Rogers and Brittany Griner and all of these people across sports. And, and, and there is no more iconic image of that part of this year than Michael kissing his boyfriend. I, I, somebody interviewed me recently about it, and I said, we've never seen anything like that from the NFL draft. Forget about two men kissing. There's never been something kind of away from the draft that didn't have to go do with who was drafted where that dominated the NFL draft news. We weren't we weren't talking about where so and so was drafted in the first round or what team got who. For two or three days we were talking about two men kissing. That was the story of the NFL draft. That's that's shocking. And, and we're talking about it happening. Yeah, ha- talking about it happening with basically one of the last picks of the whole draft on a day that nobody normally plays attention to the NFL draft. But this was like, you know, one of those countdown shows where, you know, would the, would the, would the city blow up when he get picked? You know, he picked 234. Oh, my God, he's still on the board. And this was round seven. Nobody ever cares about round seven. And yet it was while people were talking about in sports that day. And then the kiss happened, and it was like that dominated sports conversation for a couple of days. And it was really that – it was that big – of, of an image, and you know, and there were a lot of people who negatively acted to it. But that's that's the power of the image. You had reactions on from people loving it, people saying, "Oh my God, it was just, you know disgusting" or whatever they said. And you can't find anything remotely in sports for this year that that kind of rivals that uh, because it, it it leaped the sports pages and went on to just regular news and blogs, and you know, you don't have to be a sports fan to sort of be aware of it. Well, I was I was talking to Wade Davis today, and he recently visited Morehouse College because there was a, a, a homophobic incident there with some athletes. It's a, it's, a, it's a historically black college, and and he said that many of the athletes said that was the first time they had ever seen two men kiss, and it made them uncomfortable. And it generated, I mean, that led to Wade going to this historically black college to do some work. And so the, there were huge repercussions of that kiss. The, that, that kid we wrote about coming out to his grandfather and father at the mm-hmm. draft when that kiss happened. I mean, it, 
the, the, the social ramifications of that kiss was, again, like nothing that had ever come out of the NFL draft. I actually think that that kiss was probably it – was, it was the most important moment, I don't know, of the year in sports or, or in Michael's story, but that kiss, just the way it's, it solidified what Michael is to the NFL, I think was super powerful, that, that visual image. Yeah, because that's what I said on the ESPN guy. I said it, it, it showed what two men in love do. They kiss. And for a lot of people, that simple fact alone was enough to make them go, oh, my, you know, wow, oh, you know, it really had that kind of a startling thing because we're, we've never seen that before. Um, so, yeah, I do th- I'm do. i curious to see if, e- if ESPN is ranking images or they're simply doing a story on the top ones. But, uh, I mean, to me, there's really not much – doubt that there's nothing more memorable to people because even people who weren't obviously sports fans were paying attention to that right it was like my guess how many is, people did my you hear is, from that weren't sports fans who still knew about the kiss yeah yeah it transcended sports my guess, i tried to think of what other images i think that probably if somebody got a good photo of odell beckham's circus catch my guess is that would be in there well, but that's a great sports image as, as sort of an action shot, but it's not really, it's not on the same level to me with Michael's kiss in terms of what it meant, you know, for society. And I do think, yeah, that as an image, it's just, I mean, the guy from um, Getty Images got a brilliant picture, uh, you know, sequence of that whole, <clears throat> of the whole thing, of the catch. It was just, it was amazing. Um, so that that could win like sports photo of the year because that specific photo but the actual image, I think, to me, was, was Michael's kiss would sort of beat that. It's too bad Michael, too bad old Bill Beckham oh, well, didn't you come know out what? as gay. You know what? There, there is another one. There is another one. The, 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 the video of the uh, elevator. That, that I could see. That's, pretty, that's a pretty good one. That, I mean, that, that shook entire NFL. It, it shook all of sports for a month. That image of of Ray Rice punching his now wife that was that that I still think Michael yeah that could that well that, yeah well although that is not really one image it's a series of a, it's a video yeah but I mean the point taken yeah that's that's pretty that's a pretty good one it's funny the ESPN guy didn't mention that one he was talking about the other one so maybe they haven't maybe they're not equating it in the same way but um, yeah because that was even more. That had much more ramifications for the league. I mean, that was a bigger PR nightmare for them than Michael ever was. Remember, almost Michael was going to be this, you know, that was going to be a thing they'd have to manage, and it turned out to be a non-story. And then Ray Rice is what everybody, you know, was talking about. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. The Ray Rice thing would probably be as impactful. Um, and they were both videos. I mean, the, no, nobody took a yeah, photo well, true. of yeah. Michael yeah. kissing. So. I'd I'd be surprised if they didn't include that as well. Um, They'll catch hell if they don't. So they well, better. Yeah, and again, I don't know. I don't I, I don't know what the angle is. If it's ranking them, is it simply getting people to comment on different ones, or was he mm. just writing Michael Sam and somebody else is writing whatever? It'll be on ESPN.com tomorrow, or whatever. It's a package or one story or whatever. But um, you know, everyone's doing their year-end stuff, and. Uh, we had another, well, it's not so a year-end. It'll be happening January 1st, the two college football playoff games, Oregon versus Florida State out here at the Rose Bowl, and then Alabama against Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl. 
And uh, looking at our friend Shane Windemeyer's Campus Pride Index, I want to see, hmm, how do these schools rank up in, in terms of LGBT inclusiveness? The Campus Pride Index looks at eight factors of how LGBTQ students are sort of treated sort of institutionally on these campuses, are the programs, policies, et cetera. And Oregon and Ohio State score a perfect five for five. Alabama is two out of five, but Florida State's not even on the index because they've not bothered for whatever reason to never fill out the question. So led me to write an article basically sort of a little bit breezy saying, hey, if you want to root for gay-friendly schools, root for Oregon and Ohio State. And I've already heard from three FSU alums who have actually posted <laughs> their tweets in the stories saying basically, hey, I really had a great time there and blah, blah, blah. So I guess part of the question is, is this a good reason to root for these teams or just one reason among many? You know, I hearken back to the, the great Tony Dungy debate yeah. when he was when he raised money to fight against same-sex marriage rights and and uh, supported a deeply anti-gay organization and Colts fans, including you, I mm-hmm. continued to cheer for the Colts and it's just kind of irrational. I think if you're just kind of an innocent bystander and you have nothing else to watch, yeah, maybe you'll cheer for Ohio State, Oregon, but chances are you, Jameis Winston has done something that you like or dislike or you like a player on he, here or there or you like a coach and I think that's probably not going to change many people's rooting interest. Yeah, I, I do think it's the idea of irrationality. And in Dungy's case, I wanted to root for the players, not him. Um, you know, but then, then if you do that litmus test, you like the Patriots, what if you dis- what if you did a rundown of every Patriot player and coach and discovered, gee, a lot of those guys, I don't whatever like whatever they stand for, you wouldn't stop rooting for them magically unless there would have to be something over the edge. Now, if someone like Peyton ever came out as anti-gay, which he's not, yeah, that would cause me to, to root against somebody. I'm not going to root for a homophobe uh, in that way as a player. But I think that what the idea of this index was, you know, you have, you have schools like Oregon and Ohio State that are really super progressive. And Shane said about Alabama, even though they got two out of five stars, at least they kind of <laughs> were in the game and put, their, and, and put their ranking out there for people to see as a benchmark for maybe how they can do better. Um, so he actually applauded Alabama for kind of, you know, going forward as opposed to sort of saying, oh, we don't really rank high, so let's not even bother participating. Well, and that's why the, the FSU fans kind of getting on your case for, for uh, you know, poo-pooing them. Tell your school to fill out the, the Campus Pride Index survey. I mean, it doesn't take that long. It is important to to be graded on this thing, to know how you can improve. And for years, FSU has ignored it and or just, you know, turned away the invitation. So if you want them ranked, contact somebody at the LGBT Center and have them fill out the darn, uh, the darn index. Yeah, it's really not very hard for them to do. And, and the story even said, it didn't say, we weren't saying FSU was bad for gay people. Simply, they're not on this list, so you don't even know how they rank. Again, institutionally, you can probably have people, like we've had these people, say, oh, my God, I had the best time there. I was accepted. Well, great. That, I, I don't doubt that happens at Alabama and tons of other schools. But does the school itself have policies and programs and procedures that kind of ensure a framework for that? And, and Oregon and Ohio State clearly do. Uh, Shane's at Ohio State is even maybe one of the best in the entire country. For they go kind of even above and beyond, but I think these kind of indexes are actually important because they kind of 
they kind of put a spotlight on these things, and it, it shows that these kind of issues are going to ever, or, or another reason that maybe a kid may choose to go to a particular school or not, because, hey, my, my school's in the top 50 of the, the campus pride index. Yeah, well, in Ohio State, their athletic department has done a You Can Play video, and the athletic director has been great. I interviewed him a couple of years ago. So I, I, if anybody cheers for Ohio State because they're LGBT-friendly, they'd have, they'd have good reason. Well, who are you going to cheer for, or do you care? Uh, you know, I boycotted it for so long because they didn't have a playoff that I haven't really it hasn't been on my radar screen. Now there's a playoff. I'll, I'll cheer for the Pac-12. I, you know, it's, I don't want the SEC to win. The Big Ten just wasn't great this year. The ACC, I'm, I, I just don't love Jameis Winston, so I'll cheer for Oregon. Yep, me too. I'm Oregon and uh, Oregon, Ohio State. A traditional Rose Bowl for the final would be nice. All right, well, that's, well, that's, that's all, all, all the well, time. Well, you, you finish it off, okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's all we have this week. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>